Hey everyone, this is Jason Shappert, and you're listening to the Private Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What are some items that are considered required pre-flight action? Hey everyone, Jason Shapper here of M0A.com. Appreciate you listening to the Private Pilot Podcast. By the way, this episode of the Private Pilot Podcast is brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to see what we've been up to. We've updated almost 75% of our videos into the new 4K video format. That's four times the quality of HD. You get access to our FAA written test prep boot camp for being a gold member in there. You get a chance to interact with myself and the great team here at m0a.com every Monday night in our weekly workshop webinars and mock check rides. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to check that out and learn more. Today's topic is required pre-flight action. FAR, or better known as CFR 91103. Now, oftentimes as private pilots, we we hear of these things like a ramp check and you think, oh, if I ever, by the way, a ramp check is, I give it, it's kind of like being pulled over, but not quite like being pulled over because when you're pulled over, chances are you've done something wrong. Um, it's random. You get ramp checked at, you know, at, usually at a larger airport, the FAA official will come over um, and they'll ask to see a few things. They want to make sure you as the pilot in command are airworthy, you have your proper documentation. They also want to make sure that your airplane has its proper documentation and they have the right to pull and ask if you followed FAR or CFR 91103. And as a private pilot, you might be saying, uh, Mr. Miss Ramp Check Agent, uh, FAA, uh, sir or ma'am, I have no clue what you're talking about required pre-flight action. Well, I'm glad we're teaching it to you here today Then, on that moment, if you were ever to become ramp checked, and, and it's very, very slim odds of that, that happening. Um, but there is required pre-flight action that we're instructed to do before each and every flight. And it's 91103. And I have a cool little acronym to remember that. It's NW, like Northwest, NW Craft. And it's Craft with a K, like the uh, like the macaroni and cheese company. Craft with a K. NW Craft with a K. And the N in that NW craft with a K acronym, the N is for NOTAMs. Have you pulled up the NOTAMs for your airport, the airport you're going to, some of the airports in between? Could you then prove that you listened to the NOTAMs or gathered the NOTAMs somehow? Because if I were to get ramp checked, they're going to ask me, how did I obtain the NOTAM data today? how do I prove that? What if I can't prove that? Well, here's what I suggest and here's what I do. And I've shared this with you a little bit before. I've certainly shared it with our online ground school members. 
I call the flight service station before each and every flight. 1-800-WX-BRIEF. I may not always get a weather briefing, but here's what I do each time. I call them. I say, hey, this is Jason Shepard in 7159 Quebec. I'm departing the Ocala Airport. I'm heading up to the Jacksonville Airport. Just wanted to know if there's any NOTAMs or TFRs along my route of flight I should be aware of. Or better yet, in your case, and this is how I do it, I'm driving to the airport. I have about a 15-minute commute to the airport. Just enough time to make that phone call. Hey, this is Jason Shepard in 7159 Quebec, just doing a local flight around the Ocala area, OCF. Just want to know if there's any NOTAMs or TFRs in the area. And here's the beauty of that. That is all recorded. So when that that flight briefer comes back and says, no, uh, no, Mr. Shepard, there are no uh, NOTAMs, TFRs in the area. Everything looks great. Well, listen, we're getting close to a presidential race here. We're getting close to getting really back into heavy sports season with with football coming back and everything else here soon. There's going to be a lot of TFRs popping up. And they don't always tell you where the president is traveling to. TFRs just pop up sometimes. Thus, pop up TFRs is is their nickname sometimes. So if I call that briefer and he or she says there's no TFRs in that area, And sure enough, I'm out flying. Next thing you know, I land and I've got some agents waiting for me saying, hey, just want to know what you were doing flying through that TFR. I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, I have no clue what you're talking about. I called the flight service briefer, the flight service station on my way over here. He or she said there were no TFRs. Go listen to the tape. I'm on record saying my name, saying my tail number, and I've now covered myself if that were to happen. And trust me, crazier things have happened. You want to find a way to back that up. If you want to get NOTAMs on your iPad, that's great. But maybe actually file through DUOTS, because DUOT, unfortunately, is no more, according to the FAA, through DUOTS, so you have record of you doing that, or take a screenshot of you doing it, just so you could prove it in that kind of event. The N in NW Craft is NOTAMs. The W in NW Craft 91103 required pre-flight action is very vague. It just says weather. You as the pilot are to become familiar with any weather pertaining to that flight. That's kind of plain English version of what the regulation is saying, but essentially you're just to become familiar with whatever weather pertains to that flight. Well, how can I do that? Well, what pertains to this flight? I mean, if it's just in the local area, a simple METAR, TAF, that sort of stuff is going gonna, is, is gonna to cut it just fine. If I'm going on a longer cross country, maybe I start getting into some winds aloft, some prognostic charts, some area forecasts, some radar imagery, but it, it's pertaining to that flight. Again, how can I prove I did it? Well, they can look at my internet search history. They could, or... I could call that briefer and get the weather information that way. Again, if you've got to commute to the airport, it just makes sense to do it that way. N is NOTAMs. W is weather. K is known ATC delays. I'm going to spend very little time on this one because it's IFR only. Known ATC delays. What happens is 
In IFR Fly, and I imagine most of you aspire to be IFR pilots one day, in IFR flying, there's only allowed to be one aircraft on an instrument approach at a time in instrument conditions like that. So at a busy airport like JFK, O'Hare, Miami, Los Angeles, uh, you know, really anywhere in the Northeast, Boston, that sort of stuff, when there's nasty weather, they'll put you in a holding pattern and you'll hold until you're next in line to shoot that instrument approach. They'll know after time that, listen, it's taken you know 20 minutes for you to even get onto the approach. That's what's called a known ATC delay. That's IFR only, doesn't apply to you. R in our NW craft, K-R-A-F-T, the R is runway lengths. Again, summarizing the verbiage here a little bit, you're going to become familiar with runway lengths at your airport of operation. How long is the runway of the airport I'm departing? How long is the runway of the airport I'm arriving at? Just know the runway lengths. It's as simple as having a taxiway diagram on you. You keep a taxiway diagram on you, you can check that one off the box of 91103. It's good. A is alternates available. And it's easy to read this and go, oh, well, alternates only apply to IFR guys. Well, yes, in IFR flying, there's certain situations where you need to have alternates. So you could say this is IFR only, but if you actually read the regulation, you can make an argument that just says, I, as the pilot in command, need to understand what alternates are available, what airports I could divert to, and know a thing or two about those airports. Maybe have a taxiway diagram, have some frequencies ready, for any potential alternates available for my route of flight. Now, if you're just doing a, a flight in the local area, out to your practice area for steep turn slow flight installs, this may not pertain to you. But become familiar with alternates available for your cross countries. F in NW Craft is fuel required. How much fuel is required? First off, and we all know this, but we have FAA fuel required, which is VFR day, enough fuel to fly to my airport of intended landing plus 30 minutes. And again, I don't know if you've ever seen 30 minutes of fuel, but it's not a lot. 30 minutes of fuel is, you know, uh, three, four gallons in, in some airplanes. It's not a lot of fuel. What is the fuel required? So what is the FAA fuel required? Then what is the Jason Shepard fuel required? You know, I, my rule of thumb is the only time you have too much fuel is when you're on fire. And I know that's a really bad joke and there's obviously other exceptions with weight and balance and everything else, but I like taking as much fuel as possible. I don't want to ever make it in the NTSB reports, but I certainly don't want to make it in the NTSB reports for having run out of fuel. That would be embarrassing, absolutely ridiculous uh, uh, to have that happen. Minimum fuel is not something I want to have to utter on the radio. And, and how I get around that, by the way, is I know my aircraft holds four and a half hours worth of fuel. And that's that's even working a little bit hard. You could even stretch that in our aircraft with the power flow exhaust and some other upgrades we've made to maybe even five hours, but I certainly wouldn't test that theory. I have a maximum seat time of three hours. 
And by three hours, and again, I'm kind of getting on a tangent here, but I think this is this is valuable information. By a maximum seat time of three hours, I mean the moment I start that engine, I'm only going to be in there three hours. By, by three hours, I should be shutting that airplane down at the fuel pump or the airport or wherever I'm trying to go to. And I start that three hours the moment the engine starts because I know I have 5, 10, 15 minutes start, taxi, run up, all that sort of stuff. Really even buys me more of a buffer zone. And by again, at three hours, I'm not looking for an airport to land at. I'm down on the ground. First off, my seats in my 172 aren't that comfy. I couldn't possibly continue to sit that long. Uh, you know, a, a, on top of that, uh, I don't have a bladder that can make it much more than three hours in a small airplane. We got to stop anyways. So really, I plan legs of cross countries that are about two and a half hours in length. And if I'm looking at a flight and it's four hours long, it looks like if I wanted to go direct, I break it up. I do two hours and two hours and I'll do it that way. Because if I ever get into a jam and trust me in aviation on a long cross country, if you haven't been in a jam, you will be one day looking for an airport to divert to. Gosh, diverting is such a valuable skill to have. We need to do an entire podcast on that here soon. And I've shared my story of when we were coming back from Ann Arbor, Michigan, trying to get to Louisville, Kentucky. I had to divert three times and the controller was starting to get a little bit nervous saying, listen, hey, 5-9 Quebec, just, just want to make sure you're okay up there. And I remember specifically saying to the controller, hey, don't you worry about me. I've planned this thing out. I got more than enough fuel. I'm with you for another two hours at least. And that controller went, oh, that's good. Because they were starting to get worried after I, after I had diverted three different times on three different missed approaches because they're used to guys who kind of cut it close. And this brings up another point too. Boggles my mind here. Listen to this. So at Oshkosh, and again, I apologize for these tangents, but sometimes things just kind of hit. At Oshkosh, we were listening uh, to the radio because there was an accident, I want to say on Wednesday or Thursday, there was an accident. Um, I believe everybody was okay. Um, one was life-lighted out, but I want to say they, were, they ended up being okay. I don't have a whole lot of details on the accident. I'm sure the NTSB will be releasing stuff here soon, but... The airport was closed at Oshkosh. It was closed for a good while. I mean, we're used to hearing planes go over all day. We were open in our booth till about 11, 12 o'clock till we started hearing airplanes fly again. Um, so we're driving in and we saw the smoke. And so we start listening to the radio. We hear there's the accident. And you would be amazed, guys, I kid you not, of the airplanes that are coming in. They're on these long flights from Kentucky, from, you know, wherever. They've been flying a long time trying to get to Oshkosh. And they get there. And the tower says, listen, the airport's closed. I'm sorry we had an accident. And the funny thing is that at Oshkosh, you're not supposed to talk back. You're supposed to just listen. It was funny. All the guys all of a sudden started talking, saying, what do you mean the airport's closed? I, one guy, I kid you not, literally said, I only had enough fuel to make it to Oshkosh. Where should I go? And the controller's like, listen, you can go to Appleton. You can go to Fond du Lac. He's named these other airports. And the guy's like, where's Appleton? He wasn't familiar with his alternates available. He sure didn't calculate his fuel required very well because now, is the, now this guy is in another state that he's probably never flown in before and is forced to divert to an airport that he has no clue its identifier, if it's north, south, east, or west of him, the frequencies, what kind of airspace it is, if they even have fuel. He doesn't know any of that sort of stuff. 
you know, going into an air show like that, honestly, they kind of gouge you for fuel prices anyways. Anytime we fly into Sun and Fun or fly into Oshkosh, I always stop about 45 minutes out and fill up and then head into the show uh, because they're going to get you for seven bucks a gallon, eight bucks a gallon for fuel actually at the show. Little Oshkosh Sun and Fun uh, flying tip there for you. But fuel required, guys. Again, the joke is the only time you have too much fuel is when you're on fire. And obviously in weight and balance reasons, don't be shy in the fuel department. It's, it's really, really not worth it. The T and the last bit of our acronym for NW Craft is takeoff and landing distances. I'm to become familiar with my runway lengths, like we said, but also my takeoff and my landing distances for that day. And they change every day because runway conditions change, weight conditions of your aircraft change, density altitude changes, performance changes hour by hour, minute by minute, certainly day by day. You can't just have a generic, oh, I got 5,000 feet of runway, I'm good. You've got to know your takeoff and landing distances. I promise you, if you were to get ramp checked, the ramp check agent who works for the FAA could easily say, hey, have you done your required pre-flight action today? And you should be able to run through your NW craft acronym and go, yes, sir, here's my notams here. Here's how I got my weather data. Known ATC delays. I'm VFR only. That doesn't apply to me. Here's the runway lengths of this airport. My alternates available. Here's the fuel required. I have plenty more than the FAA minimum. And here's my takeoff and landing distances for today. I promise you that ramp check agent will give you a gold star. I don't really mean that. I, you know, I haven't really ran into too many ramp check agents. I don't know how friendly they really are, but they may not actually give you a gold star, but they're certainly going to be fairly impressed with you if I, if I had to say so myself. Required pre-flight action. FAR 91-103, or as we're, again, we've been calling them for a while now, CFRs. 91-103, NW Craft. Uh, November, Whiskey, Kilo, Romeo, Alpha, Foxtrot, Tango. NW Craft is the acronym. Commit that to memory, guys. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Thanks for making this the number one podcast in the aviation category on iTunes. What a blessing. Uh, thank you for your uh, for subscribing to this. Thank you, ground school members out there who are listening to this. Just thanks so much for all you guys do. I, I really mean it uh, when I say you guys are the reason we get up so early, stay up so late, do all the crazy things we do. Well, we do it for you guys to help make you guys safer, smarter pilots. If there's anything myself, my beautiful wife, Ashley, this great team here at M0A.com can do for you this week to help make you a safer, smarter pilot, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.